It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Hello and welcome to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network in Southie. Once again, filling in for WB, who's continuing to rest his vocal cords and hopefully he'll make a full recovery and will be joining me back here next week for another brand new episode of Southern Race Week Radio. So we are thinking about you, WB. Hopefully you are healing up, feeling better, and hopefully we'll get you back into the captain's chair next week to deliver another new episode of Southern Race Week Radio next week. But in the meantime, in between time, I am here. I am sitting in the captain's chair, and I'll be bringing to you another exciting episode of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast and don't forget about our social media platform so uh, like our facebook page at facebook.com slash southern race week you can follow us on twitter at srw radio and you can follow our fearless leader at wb radio network and you can follow yours truly at alfie underscore 19 and we also got an email address so feel free to email us your comments thoughts about the program or if you're an up-and-coming short track driver and looking to get some exposure here on Southern Race Week Radio, we would love to hear from you as well. So it's srwradio at yahoo.com. That is srwradio at yahoo.com. And I got to tell you, exciting racing this past weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. And I got to tell you, if you've never been to see a race at Talladega, you are missing out. This is definitely one of those tracks you want to check off those that list of tracks you want to visit because it's amazing. I mean, the racing obviously is amazing is if you watched the race on television over the weekend or if you're at Talladega this past weekend you were there you saw it all I've had the opportunity to go to two races at Talladega Super Speedway and have enjoyed every minute of it in fact I think one year we didn't even go to the race we just drove to Talladega uh, parked out camped out partied hard all night long and then recovered and drove back to Atlanta didn't even go to the race just went to Talladega to enjoy the great party that they have there uh, every single year. So uh, if you had an opportunity to get out there, man, what a great weekend of events going on. You saw Larry McReynolds crew chiefing the number three Richard Childress machine with Jeffrey Earnhardt behind the wheel at Talladega. They won the pole and then finished the second in the race. So uh, amazing. And then Ross Chastain winning an incredible, what an incredible finish for Ross Chastain to uh, win his uh, second race uh, in his career, his second win for Trackhouse Racing. But uh, as I mentioned, we've got another uh, jam-packed episode of Southern Race Week Radio coming up in just moments. I just mentioned his name, and we will talk to him about it. The crew chief for the number three car, Jeffrey Earnhardt, the driver at Talladega this past weekend, also an analyst for NASCAR on Fox, Larry McReynolds, will be joining me here in just a matter of moments. And then we'll speak with the winner of the Arkham Menard Racing Series race at Talladega last weekend. Nick Sanchez for Rev Racing. So we'll speak with uh, Mr. Sanchez about his win and what he had to do after that win to celebrate. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. And then we'll wrap things up with the lovely Jacqueline Drake of Flow Racing and also NASCAR Roots uh, for NASCAR.com. She was at Bowman Gray Stadium last weekend to kick off another season of racing at that historic venue. And we'll talk to her and get her thoughts on all the excitement that was at Bowman Gray Stadium 
last weekend. So all that coming up for you this week here on Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. This is Mason Massey, driver of the number 91 Chevrolet. You're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network itself. We continuing on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot Zoom line as he was a busy man over the weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. Ladies and gentlemen, analyst for NASCAR on Fox coverage, it's Mr. Larry McReynolds. Mr. McReynolds, thank you yet again for coming back here to Southern Race Week Radio. We always appreciate you taking the time to join us. You've been a great friend of the show, and we really appreciate your time, sir. And you never, ever let me down, Alfred, on that introduction. That's quite the introduction. I'm very flattered and very honored, but thank you for having me. I remember one of our previous talks, you mentioned to me that you've been broadcasting longer than Fox than you were as a crew chief in NASCAR, and you had the opportunity to kind of go back to your roots, where it all started for you in the number three car at Talladega with another Earnhardt behind the wheel with Jeffrey Earnhardt. Before we talk about all the action at Talladega and what's coming up for you as well, What was that like? I mean, it must have taken you back. Not only are you doing a crew chief, but for the three car and for another Earnhardt. Yeah, Alfred, it was very surreal. Uh, First and foremost, I was just very honored and flattered that Richard Childress Racing reached out to me about about doing that with Jeffrey Earnhardt. Actually, it was Austin Dillon that gave me a call a couple of weeks ago. And to go to Talladega, my home track, with an Earnhardt and a three car for Richard Childress Racing. Of course, the last time I was actually on the box was November of 2000 at Atlanta Motor Speedway with Mike Skinner, Richard Childress Racing. The following year is when I moved to the to the broadcast booth with NASCAR on Fox. And to go down there, I knew we were going to have a fast car. Whenever you take a Richard Childress car to Talladega with ECR engine horsepower, you know you're going to be fast. But to go down there and sit on the pole on Friday and qualifying and then to finish second on Saturday just came oh so close. It was a very memorable weekend. So many things about it, but it's something I'm going to remember and treasure for a long, long time. Is this something you maybe want to do again? Is is there an opportunity maybe down the road or or maybe is this maybe kind of one time thing? Yeah, I mean, never say never. When I walked off the box in November 2000, I I never felt that I would never step foot on a pit box again. You you don't know what the future brings. It would have to be a, a, a good, the right situation like what I just experienced this past weekend. I would want to make sure it is a top shelf effort. I don't want to just do it to be doing it, but you know, who knows what may happen. I I know the deal with Jeffrey and Richard Childress racing the three car, uh, forever long, the sponsorship, it was a one race deal, but maybe we do come back and maybe we try Daytona when we go back there in August, maybe back to Talladega in the fall. I, I think the days of me being an absolute true crew chief in air quotes, I, I think that ship has maybe sailed, but I do think, and I've said it, With what I've learned over the last two decades, being in that broadcast booth, watching strategy, watching how things unfold, I think I could go back, as I did on Saturday, and call a race from a strategy standpoint as good as, maybe even better than when I was an actual crew chief. Uh, Let me ask you, with that 20-year gap in between your last race and this past race weekend at Talladega, did you see yourself doing anything different, or or is it pretty much like, hey, just... 
as people say, just picking up the bicycle and riding it again. Now, there was a lot of things that felt the same, but it, but it is different, Alfred. When I went to Richard Childress Racing a little over a week ago uh, to meet with the engineers, to see the car, to look around, to get a feel for things, uh, everything is engineering driven. Everything is spelled out. They handed me one stack of papers and said, this is basically the way this car is set up. We've mirrored the two and the 21 with Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed. Of course, Austin Hill won Daytona, so why would you not mirror the setup? Then another set of engineers said, this is what we need to look at in what-if situations. What if the car's doing this? What if the car's doing that? And then there was another group of engineers that basically said, based on analytics, this is the strategy we feel like you need to go down. The strategy for that race was pretty much set well before we went down there, kind of following suit with the other two RCR Xfinity Series teams, the two and the 21. We had to make a few audibles. We had to make a few changes and no different than any game plan. You have to be adaptable. But uh, there were a lot of things that felt the same when I crawled up on that pit box I, for sure on Saturday. Speaking with America's crew chief and analyst for NASCAR on Fox, Larry McReynolds here on this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And let's talk about the racing in the Cup Series over the weekend at Talladega. Uh, Ross Chastain picked up a, another victory, track house racing with two wins in their belt. What do you contribute to such success for track house so far? Yeah, I think when you see a team move to the forefront as they've done, it would be hard-pressed to say it's just one thing, Alfred. Uh, we know the new next-gen car is the variable for everybody, whether you're running well or whether you're running good, like Trackhouse Racing. But, I mean, here's a team that's only in their second year. And look at all the changes they went through during the offseason. They added the second team with Ross Chastain in the one group. Uh, they moved shops, changed locations down to the old Chip Ganassi Racing Building, the next-gen car they had to deal with, as everybody did. I don't know that anybody saw this coming, but I just think Justin Marks, one of the owners, along with Pitbull, I think he's created an environment, a culture that's very different there. They truly have bought into the fact that it's one team building two cars. And I think Justin is such a hands-on guy that he reassures those drivers, he reassures those teams that we are in this together. We're going to run bad together. We're going to run well together. We're going to win together. You don't have to drive for desperation. This is your ride. This is your team. And then I think they have done a phenomenal job of keeping their head down, focusing on their deal and their deal only, and utilizing all the resources that are out there, especially what Chevrolet offers them week in and week out. Now, so far in the season, there are a lot of drivers who are surprised having won and teams that are struggling a little bit. Uh, for you at this point of the season, what are you most surprised about this season so far as far as teams or drivers go? Yeah, that's probably a pretty long list. When you look at the fact that Kevin Harvick, uh, still seems to be searching. We're sitting, I think it's 53 race winless streak. You got to go back to Bristol, September of 2020, a year he won nine races and he just can't seem to, to find victory lane. It's not like they're running terrible, but they're not running well enough to get to victory lane. Uh, I think Denny Hamlin, my gosh, I, I know he won that race at Richmond, which was huge. It essentially locks him into the playoffs, Alfred. But if you look at his other nine races, his average finish in those nine races is 25th. 
and thank the good Lord for them that they did win that race at Richmond. And then Martin Trex Jr. I think Dover this weekend is going to be a huge measuring stick for that group. I know they finished in the top five at Talladega, one other top five back at Richmond, but not where they need to be. But Dover, that's where Martin won his very first career win back in 2007. In fact, Alfred, our last five races there, he's finished in the top two, four out of those five races. Uh, it just seems like we got a little bit of a change into the guard right now. You talk about track house racing. Daniel Suarez is going to win a race in that 99 car. They run too well. They lead laps. Great car, fast car at Talladega. Got caught up in that wreck on that big restart at lap 89. So I would say that's definitely the most pleasant surprise would be track house racing. But some of the past champions of our sport just kind of struggling and searching. That's on the flip side of everything, I think. Now, speaking of Dover, that's where the Cup Series will be this weekend. And you will be back in the booth with Fox. And you'll be up there with Clint Boyer and, and Mike Joy. And I know a lot of fans, including myself personally, have always wanted you back in the booth. We think that's where you need to be, and that's where America's crew chief needs to be as far as I'm concerned. How exciting is it for you to have that opportunity to be in the booth? Because I know, I think I heard you earlier this week on your NASCAR show on a NASCAR series, Channel 90, uh, talking about for the last few weeks you've been able to go to the track uh, compared to being back at Charlotte in the broadcast facility over there. So how cool has it been to be back at the track and also this week being in the booth? Yeah, I mean, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity that Fox has given me now in my 22nd year to be with NASCAR on Fox, regardless of what role I play or where I'm located. But there is no question, it's much easier to do a better job when you're at that racetrack, regardless of the role you're playing. And this weekend, when that garage opens on Saturday morning before practicing qualifying, I'll be in there talking to, to drivers, the crew chief, the engine tuners, the engineers. I'll be back in there Sunday morning before we go on the air with the pre-race show and the actual race. Uh, but very flattered to be back in the broadcast booth this weekend at Dover on FS1 with Mike and Clint. If you go back to Daytona Speed Week, Alfred, back in February, I was in Daytona for about half of the Speed Week. Got to do the dual races on Thursday night with Mike and Clint. Uh, pretty pumped up, A, to be back at the racetrack this weekend, but especially be back in the broadcast booth with Mike and Clint. So check that out, Dover Action Sunday FS1, and you'll be able to see the America's Crew Chief back in the booth where I feel he belongs. Uh, Mr. McReynolds, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, keep up with what's going on with you. Where can they go to uh, follow you around and keep up with all your NASCAR news and information you always like to tweet out, as well as anything else they can go and check out for you? Well, the way my last three weeks have been, I can't even keep up with myself. It has def definitely been a whirlwind, but it's all been a good whirlwind. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at LarryMack28. I love interacting with the fans. I try to answer as many questions as I can. I don't have somebody that does it for me. I do it myself. Get a little behind sometime. Instagram, LarryMack28. The website, LarryMacReynolds.com. We've got some neat merchandise there. But again, you mentioned it, Alfred. This weekend, all FS1. Saturday morning, we've got practice and qualifying for the cup cars. We'll lead to the Xfinity Series race. And then on Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, the race day show, a little bit from the track with Adam Alexander, myself, Clint Boyer, our pit reporters, some from the Charlotte studio with Shannon Spake, Jamie McMurray, and Bobby Labonte. And then shortly after 3 p.m. Eastern, we'll bring you 400 laps, 400 miles of racing from the Monster Mile up there at Dover Motor Speedway. 
I got to tell you, no one covers NASCAR better than Fox. No doubt about it. Uh, Mr. McReynolds, as always, we really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can listen to Larry along with Danielle Trotta. Uh, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. Mr. McReynolds, as always, we really appreciate your time, sir. Have fun at Dover this weekend, sir, and I'm sure we'll catch back with you up to, uh, down the road, my friend. No, I appreciate you having me. Hey, this is Rutledge Wood from NASCAR on NBC, and you are listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie continuing on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot Zoom line. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the driver of the number two machine for Rev Racing, the Chevrolet machine, and winner at Talladega in the Arkham Menard Series this past weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Nick Mr. Sanchez, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend, and recovering from grabbing the checkered flag at Talladega this past weekend, sir. Yeah, no, uh, definitely doing well, still recovering um, you know, from, from the crazy race weekend. But uh, yeah, no, definitely an exciting weekend. Really happy to get one for my team. Uh, before we talk about everything that happened at Talladega for you this past weekend, this is your first time on our program, your teammate, Raja Karuth is a great friend of the show. He's been on multiple times. But this is the first time you're joining us here on the program. So before we talk about what happened at Talladega and all of that in your career and everything up to this point, for our listeners who might not know much about you or anything about yourself and how you got to this level, tell us first where the bug bit you. Yeah, I'm probably different from most. You know, I grew up in Miami, Florida, really far away from a short track, from really any NASCAR-type scene. I'd always been a fan of racing. I, I was always kind of like a gearhead growing up. My dad was a gearhead, so kind of rubbed off on me and loved anything that went fast and you know eventually bugged my parents i was like hey i want to i want to become a race car driver and uh, at the age of 12 i got into go-karts and uh kind of progressed from there did that for about three and a half years in florida um before i moved to north carolina with uh, rev racing and started on this team in legend cars and went from legend cars to late models to you know then the canne series for a couple races um, to Arc East um, in 2020. And then last year I made the jump up to the full Arkham Menard series. And, you know, that's what I continue to do uh, this year too. So tell me about your parents' reaction to when you told them this is kind of the direction you wanted to do, especially your mother, because we know your dad probably was really happy with it or maybe cool with it. But I know mothers are sometimes are very protective of their, of their sons. So how was that like um, talking to your parents about making not only this decision, but also making the move to North Carolina to continue your racing career? Yeah, um, I, I would say that was, I don't want to say the easy part. You know, my parents have never really, I, I played tackle football before racing and they never really looked at racing as like a dangerous, I mean, it's dangerous, but they never said Nick, you're not allowed to go in a car because we don't like you getting hurt. So from that standpoint, they've been, <laughs> they've been really good to me there. But uh, yeah, I, I think the hardest part was getting them to put me in, a, in like a go-kart because we actually had no idea. I'd say once I did that, you know, I wasn't really winning races left and right, you know. I was racing against very good competitive drivers, but I was not like a stud or a standout. The opportunity with Rev Racing was the first opportunity I was actually funded as a driver. So that was really appealing to them. And yeah, obviously they they moved a lot in their life. My sisters sacrificed a lot for me to move to North Carolina. Um, really my whole family, um, but, but I think right now we're all enjoy, enjoying it. Now you became a part of the NASCAR Drive for Diversity program. How much of that program helped and assist you to get to where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, really, it's the only reason I, I am where I am now and I have the opportunities I have. Um, you know, they they brought me up from Legend Cars um, all the way to where I am now. And, you know, uh, 
obviously now being able to go to the Xfinity Series for a couple races, that all wouldn't be possible without Rev from the beginning. Speaking with the driver, the number two Chevrolet for Rev Racing, Nick Sanchez here on Southern Race Week Radio. And uh, you came off a big weekend last week at Talladega. You won yourself your Arkham and Arch Series race, your second Arkham and Arch Series win of your career. At such a, a crazy track, I mean, when you watch it on TV, it just probably doesn't do it justice when you're behind the wheel and you're driving out there. What is that experience like for you to be out there when cars are basically all around you, you're, you know, you're tight, you're close together. One little mistake could cause, as you, as a lot of people say, the big one. So how much stress and, and preparation do you have when you, when you race somewhere like Talladega? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've learned throughout the years, like races like that, <clears throat> over if you overanalyze it or, you know, put too much preparation, it's going to come bite you. Um, you know, uh, you just got to be confident and go with the flow. You, you know, you I had plans there last year. I thought I did everything right, and I finished third. So it's never going to work out exactly how you how you uh, dream or think it is, um, no matter how much time or effort you put into it. So you just have to be confident in the moves you're making and go with your gut, and that's the biggest thing I've learned. And another benefit you had, you had your teammate out there, Raja Carruth of Rev Racing. He's been a friend of the show. He's been on it many times. So how important is it for you to have a teammate out there? Because both of you are pretty much up front uh, most of that race. So how beneficial is it for you to have a teammate there helping push you and, and helping you get to the front? Yeah, obviously it was, it was pretty beneficial um, in the beginning of the race. And then, you know, at the end, it's every man for himself. Um, and that's the way I look at it. So uh, at the end, you just have to shut all your teammates off and try to go for the win. And that's what we did. What did you do post-race to, to celebrate this victory for you? Oh, well, I got in the car and drove back to Charlotte. And then the next morning, I mowed my grass. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess you could say I celebrated the morning after, you know, mowing the grass. So that was, that was really exciting. Talk about getting the right back down to earth there. Uh, after such a big high, your dad tells you to get out there and cut the grass. So uh, it's cool that you're able to still kind of live that, you know, not let it get to your head too much. Is that is that good for you to have people who are, keep you grounded and doesn't get these kind of things doesn't get to your head that big? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's racing. It's what I love. You know, I, I don't do it for any reason other than the fact that I love it. So, uh, you know, if I could go out there, race, you know, compete for wins, that's all I want. What do you want to do probably five years from now? Do you hope to be racing full-time the Xfinity Series, uh, trucks, a cup. What, what, what do you hope to do down the road? What's the ultimate goal for you? Yeah, obviously the ultimate goal is to compete for wins and cup, um, but obviously you have to get there. So I would say next year my goal is to get in a competitive Xfinity car and compete for wins and championships. The more you win, the more you want to win. So I know right now in the Xfinity Series I'm still learning, but uh, my ultimate goal is there is to win next year. And how's that transition when you're racing ARCA and then you're racing Xfinity? What are the slight differences between the cars and maybe some of the competitors you, you race with? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Obviously, I'm in a unique situation now since I'm not racing up front in the Xfinity races. But, you know, I would, say, I would have said last year, you know, I was probably foreign, some of the Xfinity guys. Um, but, you know, obviously racing Ty last year and, you know, he's winning in the Xfinity series constantly. Um, I've raced with him for a while. I've raced with Sam Ayer. So uh, I have some familiar names I've raced with uh, throughout my whole career. But uh, other than that, everyone's kind of foreign to me. And, you know, the car is, it's a stock car. It's the same concept. It's kind of obviously different with the power and aero packages. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a race car, and, you know, you got to learn how to do it. Now, Mr. Sanchez, if our listeners want to follow your progress, keep up with your career and everything that you do in the Arkham and Art Series, uh, where can they go to keep up with you and follow along with what's going on with you? Of course. Yeah, all my socials are Nick Sanchez 080 um, So if you go follow me there, you'll probably 
get to see my boring life. <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, Nick. I, I think you live a lot more of an exciting life than even myself at the age of 44. Mr. Sanchez, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Good luck to you in the rest of the Arkham and Arch series, and hopefully we see you race one day here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is our home track here for Southern Race Week. So good luck to you, and we'll hopefully talk to you again down the road again, my friend. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is Natalie Deckard, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie continuing on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here into the program, Feel the Food Depot Hotline, as she comes to us from the great state of North Carolina, working for Flow Racing and NASCAR Roots program as well for NASCAR.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Miss Jacqueline Miss Drake, uh, thank you so much for again, uh, once again taking time to join us this week on Southern Race Freak Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. I definitely am. Thanks so much for having me on. As always, love to be on the show. Well, congratulations. Uh, you got a lot going on. We got a lot to get to as far as uh, your career and everything that's been going on with you. It's been crazy what you've been doing. But you were at Bowman Gray Stadium over the weekend with Flow Racing to kick off another year of racing at Bowman Gray Stadium. And before we talk about the action and everything going on with Flow Racing, I think a lot of NASCAR fans or maybe those who are just kind of getting new to the sport have heard about Bowman Gray Stadium. But tell us a little bit about the legend and the legacy of this facility. What makes it so special? Yeah, so Bowman Gray Stadium is definitely one of those historic facilities when it comes to motorsports. So they kicked off their season opener this past Saturday, and it was their 73rd season of them being in operation. And for those that have never been, the stadium of Bowman Gray is exactly that. It is a long-standing football stadium located near Winston-Salem. So it's um, pretty legendary because of the facility. The infield is actually the football field that they use during football season, which is what makes Bowman Gray a shorter racing season compared to these other short tracks around the country. And the style of seating is that of a stadium. So it kind of reminds you of this medieval vibe because all the grandstands are in this circular fashion and the fans are just as crazy as you can imagine with (laughs) medieval. If you think back to how intense and involved the audience was back in the day, they are just the same way at Bowman Gray. So um, they've had plenty of TV exposure over the years, even having their own reality show at one point. And the stadium can hold 17,100 people in the stands, and they pack out every single weekend. So it is one of the coolest experiences. Even if you hate racing, you can go to Bowman Gray and have a really great time. Or if you love racing, you should put it on your bucket list to go out and visit. Now, you said the stadium is also used for football as well. So how did it become that they started racing at this this facility? That is a great question. Back in 1937 was essentially when that stadium was built, and they used to do horse racing originally at Bowman Gray before they started doing a midget car type of racing. It was a dirt quarter mile at the time before they paved it in about 1940s or so. 
Um, I want to say that they just had an agreement with the city of, hey, we want to do stock car racing here. And there was some backing by Bill France uh, Sr., who obviously is the founder of NASCAR and wanting to have a NASCAR-sanctioned event there during the summer. So it dates way back into the 40s and many conversations that I would love to be a fly on the wall. But the history of Winston-Salem in North Carolina is obviously a city that has many roots into motorsports. So the city back this facility in many ways and helping run it. And also you're going to be taking on a role there at Bowman Gray Stadium because uh, you you made uh, there was an announcement that you posted that you're going to be doing some of the PA and announcing work. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I So I was asked a couple of weeks ago if I wanted to be involved in the on-air announcing, booth announcing at that on flow during the Bowman Gray season. So I'm going to have a handful of events where I'm going to be on with them And I was extremely nervous to say yes, because Bowman Gray fans are so intense. I don't want to let anyone down. And myself being fairly new to modified racing and um, Bowman Gray itself, I've only attended there about four times. And I, I was like, you know, this is a really big ask, but I love the challenge, so I'm up for it. And my first race is coming up this weekend. BowmanGrayRacing.com is the website if you want to get more information about Bowman Gray Stadium and get yourself out there to check out a great race. As we're speaking with Jacqueline Drake here on Southern Race Week Radio, she's a part of the Flow Racing team as they cover a lot of races throughout the season. And another thing you're doing, as we mentioned, the NASCAR Roots program. You're helping out uh, promote NASCAR Roots for NASCAR.com. So tell us a little bit about uh, NASCAR Roots and what you're doing to help to uh, contribute and maybe give some more exposure to a lot of these tracks that maybe a lot of fans don't know about. Yeah, so my day-to-day job with NASCAR is essentially that media strategy with uh, the NASCAR Roots and particularly our Flow Racing Partnership. And my job is to make sure that each one of these events that you see on Flow or that are partners of the NASCAR sanctioned track program are getting the exposure and what and needs that they need <laughs> through this program. So um, our partnership with Flow is, is essentially monetary at that where the partnership is bringing millions of dollars to short tracks all over the U.S. that are NASCAR sanctioned. So um, as part of that, we're additionally doing track activation, which I'll go to many tracks throughout the whole year and be there and support them with their broadcast efforts or just being there to put on the event, especially if it's a special highlight event that the track's doing. So anything just to bring more exposure more, you know, eyes and audience and just continue to keep growing the sport and the overall health of motorsports. So that's a big passion of mine, always has been since I was a little girl. So anything I can do to help these tracks and help fans know where they can go to get some good short track racing, I'm your girl. (laughs) Well, no doubt about that. If they do want that information, uh, Jacqueline, where can they go to find out about some of the tracks you're covering and also events that are coming up at some of these various tracks? Yeah, so NASCAR.com, if you go to the NASCAR Roots section, we write articles every single day on there about tracks, highlighting different tracks, of course, different drivers and what they're doing within the uh, Advanced Auto Parts series. 
Um, I also, on my social media, will share things that I'm going to go to and promote on my Facebook or my Twitter or Instagram. And if they want to follow you there, where can they go to, to follow that? Yeah, so it's uh, the one and only JKD is my username, and that's going to be on Twitter and Instagram. And then it's just Jacqueline Drake on Facebook, and I have a Facebook page. Fans message me all the time asking me questions about different tracks, or I even had a fan last week and say, hey, what should I know about dirt racing? I'm going to Bristol for the very first time, and I'm always there to help you and let you know what you need to know. Well, uh, Jacqueline Drake, we always appreciate you taking the time to join us this week on Southern Race Week Radio. You can catch her out on Flow Racing and also check out NASCAR Roots there at NASCAR.com. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us this week. Hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road, and good luck in uh, the career that you got going on, and big news for you as well. So appreciate all the time you take and and give us as well. Yes, thank you so much, and thank you for always highlighting different areas of motorsports and bringing it to your listeners. Hey everybody, this is Ben Rose, the 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network itself. We once again filling in for WB, who's continuing to uh, heal up from uh, a little bout of laryngitis, so hopefully he'll be back at 100%, and we'll be back here in the captain's chair next week. So, uh, William, if you're out there listening, buddy, hopefully you're feeling better, dude. And uh, we'll see you back here on the program next week. But uh, what an exciting episode of Southern Race Week Radio we had for you this week. Uh, how about this? The crew chief at Talladega for the number three, driven by Jeffrey Earnhardt, Larry McReynolds. So uh, thanks to Mr. McReynolds of NASCAR on Fox for joining us. And also he'll be in the booth this Sunday on FS1 from Dover. He'll be in the booth with, Clint Boyer and Mike Joy calling all the action, so that's going to be really exciting. Also, thanks to Nick Sanchez of Rev Racing, the winner from Talladega last weekend in the Arca Menard Racing Series, and also Jacqueline Drake of Flow Racing, and also working at NASCAR.com for NASCAR Roots for joining us to break down everything that happened at Bowman Gray Stadium last weekend. So uh, what a, we just really enjoy these great guests. And also, don't forget about our podcast. That's right. If you want to hear this episode again, or if you want to listen to any of our previous episodes of Southern Race Week Radio, you can head on over to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Today's episode will be available for you on Monday at either one of those podcasting platforms. Head on over there, click on it, search for it, Southern Race Week, and also subscribe to it as well. We'd really appreciate that. And also, don't forget to... Check us out on social media, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week, and also follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. So we really appreciate you tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch back up with you next week here on Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network.